Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I am so, so, so excited to welcome on my brand new Q&A co-host, Danielle Havens. You might have listened to her episode from the end of last month, all about the mind-body connection for mamas. And if you haven't listened to it, it was an incredible episode. So I'm going to put that link in the show notes. But for those of you who don't yet know her, Danielle is a registered nurse, an intuitive eating aligned health coach, a bar and yoga and instructor and a fellow mama. And I'm just so excited that she's agreed to come on as my co-host for these brand new monthly Q&As. So for any of you who are new, these Q&As are also new. So I've done Q&As here and there on the podcast. Um, I did a Q&A with my sister and one of my best friends. I did a Q&A with my husband. Um, and they are some of my most downloaded episodes. You guys really love to be able to be a part of the podcast and to have kind of that community feel. And so I did a call out for questions and I kept it a little bit secretive. I hadn't introduced Danielle yet. So I did that over on Instagram and in my Facebook group. And so we are actually turning these into a monthly feature. So each month we are going to have a different topic and we will crowdsource questions. We'll ask you guys what you want answers about. And so today we are going to be talking all about pregnancy, birth, and postpartum to kick off my mini series on pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. And uh, we're going to, we're going to play it by ear. This might be one episode. There might be two parts, but at this point you, you will know because you will see in the title, we're just about to record. (laughs) So we don't quite know yet, (laughs) but I am just so excited to welcome Danielle on and to jump in to questions. So Danielle, welcome. I'm so excited to get chatting with you. 
Hello, I'm very excited to be here. Very much looking forward to our conversation and the questions we're going over today. I'm thankful that I have this opportunity. So thanks for welcoming me on. And yeah, it's going to be great. So I want to start. I just, you guys, I just asked Danielle if she'd be okay with this. So she has no idea what these <laughs> questions are. <laughs> I wanted to start with a fun little rapid fire Q&A before we dive into the questions you guys ask, before we dive into the juicy stuff. So because we're talking about pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, I thought we would kind of share a couple fun things about our own pregnancies because we've, we've both been pregnant before. Um, so to start, let's at least share our experience as mamas. So so if you want to share your kiddo and your kid's age or ages. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So I have a 14 month old, so he's one, his name is Jackson and he's my first, and I'm actually expecting number two baby on the way. And I am in my first trimester at the tail end of my first trimester right now, as we're recording this. So yeah, I'm in the thick of things. <laughs> Yes. Oh my no gosh. No name definitely. yet for the second one. <laughs> oh, I can't wait as we as we go along. Eventually there will eventually there will be a name reveal. <laughs> yes. Oh, so fun. So I am definitely more far removed from pregnancy and birth and all of that. Um, but yes, many of you already know, but I have two kiddos. Uh Sage is almost eight. Oh my gosh. And Ren is almost four. So uh, Sage will be eight in November and Ren will be four in October. So my second question is what has been your top pregnancy craving? Ooh, okay. So it was the same for this pregnancy and for my first. And I was real I've been really craving bagels with cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely have gotten several um pit stops to the local bagel bakery. <laughs> this I love that. Weeks. Yeah. I had a really great bagel on Sunday. Actually, I was craving a bagel kind of out of the blue and uh, I love a good bagel and cream cheese. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's funny for me. I think I had similar cravings, both of my, both of my pregnancies as well. My versions were a little bit different, but I macaroni and cheese was my top craving and not like gourmet macaroni and cheese that you get from a restaurant, but blue box craft mac and cheese. That was my, Ooh. that was my craving when I was pregnant with both of my girls and yeah. lemonade. We were just talking about lemonade. That was my second craving. I think they're yep. about equal. <laughs> Definitely for me, pregnant. I do not crave sweet things. It's like sour, salty. So lemonade has been like the best drink ever recently. <laughs> lemonade and popsicles and cream cheese. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. So, well, this kind of is a great way to piggyback into the next question. So what was your pregnancy aversion or what is your pregnancy aversion? What are you not into when you're pregnant? Mm, so the weirdest thing <laughs> my first time around took me by surprise was salads because I would have salad all the time. Like I love a big salad with lots of toppings. Like I like to have at least four different things and like choose a yummy dressing or make a yummy dressing. And I, I still don't, I'm about 12 weeks now and I, I still can't eat a salad. <laughs> so Fresh vegetables for the first trimester was, it has been a huge aversion for me. And I remember with my, my first pregnancy that kind of faded out and I was able to enjoy salads again, but that was just a weird aversion I had. And also have, I've had a pint of Ben and, Jer of ben and Jerry's ice cream in the freezer for about a month and I haven't touched it. So 
um, sweets are not really appetizing to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. I, I also didn't sweets weren't my number one when I was pregnant either, but I did like ice cream. That was the one sweet that I really liked mm. was lemonade and the ice cream. Yeah. That's so funny. I think it's, I think not liking vegetables is normal, especially when you're kind of nauseated at the beginning yeah. for anyone who's, who's been nauseated at the beginning of their pregnancy, which I think is like the vast majority of moms. I don't know. Vegetables mm-hmm. just don't really seem, feel like the thing that no. <laughs> whenever I'm nauseous, I'm not like, Ooh, give me a plate of uh, veggies and hummus right? <laughs> or salads. Yeah. So I think that totally makes sense. So I also had a kind of a funny pregnancy aversion my first time around, especially And this is funny because, um, I lived with my parents for most of my first pregnancy. Um, I was actually in the U S and my husband was in Canada while I was pregnant and I was super, super averse to peanut butter. I didn't like peanut butter at all, not just the taste, but the smell. I couldn't stand the smell. And my dad makes a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch every single day. And he has for like the last 40 years. It's like what he takes to lunch with him, peanut butter and jelly. He has his specific type of peanut butter and jelly and bread he likes. And so I would come downstairs in the morning and if he was making his PB and J, I would like, I would like gag and I would run back upstairs (laughs) because I couldn't stand it. So, and of course my dad is my dad. And he was like, he would like wave the peanut butter in front of me. My mom would be like, John, stop. Yeah. <laughs> he thought it was hilarious. And I mean, he's never been pregnant. He doesn't get it, but I was right. like, no, seriously, if you don't want me to, you know what, all over the kitchen floor, then please do. <laughs> yes, definitely. The smells can trigger the nausea too. And we're in things that you normally love to smell can be surprisingly nauseating. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so true. My second time, I don't think, I don't remember being as averse to peanut butter. I don't think I craved it, but the first one that was very distinct, I don't feel feel like I had as many aversions with Ren, but I didn't love meat very much. I was definitely not into meat the second time Mm -hmm. around. So I know, I, I know I remember that. So my third question then, because there's supposed to be rapid fire and I'm being chatty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did you find out the gender with Jackson? Did you know ahead of time? I did not. So the first pregnancy, we decided to wait until the birth to find out the gender. And that was like kind of our plan before we even got pregnant. Um, Both of our, my husband's parents and my parents didn't find out for any of their kids. And we heard stories about how like wonderful of a surprise it was. So, um, we really wanted to do it that way. And that is a question that I got a lot while I was pregnant. It's like, Oh, what are you having? And it did surprise a lot of people to find out that we were waiting. Um, I'm happy that we did. However, I will say that this time around, we did not wait. And that was (laughs) a decision more on my end because I, felt like I went through that experience of not knowing, uh, what I was having. And although it was beautiful and it was a really magical moment, finding out whether it was a boy or a girl in the delivering room, delivery room, I felt like I wanted to know ahead of time this, this time around with the second. And I felt like it would allow me to really connect a little bit more with the baby beforehand. So mm. I will tell you after this experience, like which one I prefer if I have a preference, but both yeah. have been a great experience so far. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. I love that you had different experiences too. And part of me kind of wishes that we had like fully waited to find out. Um, when I say fully, we want, I wanted to know I'm a planner and I wanted to know with Sage, with my oldest, um, (laughs) 
but she decided that she didn't want to show us the first two times I went to ultrasounds where like, you're actually able to see the first time my sweet husband. Oh, he was, I'm, I'm really, I'm really thankful that he didn't just like walk out of that ultrasound place. (laughs) Oh, the first time he, I was so upset that I couldn't find out her legs were crossed. And I was like, it was like 18 weeks or whatever. And I was only there that weekend because I was coming home on the weekends um, whenever I had a doctor's appointment once a month. And so they're like, I'm so sorry. We can't tell today, maybe next time. And I'm like, when's that? And they're like, well, like four weeks or whatever it is. And I'm like, I want to know now. And they're like, well, if you, we have a couple more people here, but if you want to wait like an hour and a half and you can't, (laughs) and we can try again. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And my husband's like, okay we'll wait. And they're like, try to walk around, drink some orange juice, see if you can Mm -hmm. get her moving. And, uh, yeah. So we did that. We waited like an hour and a half. It might've been longer. I don't know. My husband probably imagines it as like six hours. I imagined it as like two and a half days. Um, He just moved around and I was like, and so we went up, we went back in and we went to see, and she had moved, uh, but she was still crossing her legs. So (laughs) We didn't actually end up finding out with her until I was 36 weeks. So like almost, almost through my pregnancy. And at that point I was um, like pretty sure I knew, but I didn't. And so by the, um, one of the ultrasound techs I was in like for just a routine ultrasound, she was like, do you know the gender? I was like, no, can you tell? And she was (laughs) like, I can, do you want to know? And I was like, absolutely. And she's like, okay, I'll tell you. She's like, does your husband know? And I was like, he wasn't there that day. Oh, and I was like, no, but I'll tell him. <laughs> she was like, okay. Um, she's like, I'll tell you hamburger or hot dog. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's too funny. So she was like, it's a hamburger. And I was like, oh, I knew it. And so, so we Aww. found out. With, and then we did end up finding out with Ren as well um, because I wanted to plan. And, and I did Maybe like that sooner. Yeah. Well, we actually ended up finding out much sooner with Ren because we did the genetic testing. We had some, I had some complications towards the beginning of my pregnancy with Ren. And so they wanted to do genetic testing and they said that we could find out early. So I found out at about 12 weeks. So I was just so curious and having that experience the first time I was like, I want to know now. So we found out pretty early, which was actually really funny because my, my oldest was four, they're four years apart. And she was convinced that she was having a baby sister. And we were trying to tell her, like, I know that you want a baby sister. You're definitely going to get a baby sibling, but it's not (laughs) up to us, whether we have a baby sister or a baby brother. And she's like, I'm having a baby sister. And we're like, oh my gosh, this poor kid is going to be so crushed if we're having a boy. And we were totally, we were okay with whatever. Um, and neither of us really had a preference either way. But we found out we we're having a girl and we're like, darn it, the girl knew. She totally Oh, knew. that's so that's such a special story though. I love that. Yeah. So so that was really fun. So so did you think you knew if it if he was a boy or a girl the first time around? For Jackson, we yeah. both of us were convinced that we were having a girl. Oh my god. Until and and all of the nurses in the um hospital room we're like taking guesses and just trying to like make us laugh and giggle and have a good time and they're like definitely a girl like the way your labor is going it's it's a girl like when John told me it was a boy it was just like wow such a surprise and I know and I knew in my head that it had could be either way but it was it was such a surprise and we are just so in love with our baby boy and um yeah it was great 
Oh my gosh. But I, I love definitely that. thought my intuition was telling me it was a girl, but I was yeah. very wrong. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. I, I, I was right, but I can imagine like, it's so easy to kind of make that decision and be like, oh yeah, it's definitely a girl. And then mm-hmm. just be convinced and then be like, oh my gosh, it's not. But I mean, you know, you, you love your baby either way, but it's so fun to, to, to know whether it's, it's right or not. So, oh yes. my gosh, so fun. So that was a really fun way to start off. I loved all of that. <laughs> so I I think it's time to kind of jump into the questions that that we got from our community. Yeah, and let's do it. We've already kind of kicked it off talking about pregnancy. We're going to start with questions kind of about pregnancy and um and then we'll move into some about birth and then postpartum and we'll kind of go from there. So the all first right. question that I got was, what do you wish you thought about or had planned before pregnancy? Mm. I love this question. And the first thing that came to mind um, was more along the lines for me about um, meals and rest. (laughs) So when I was pregnant with Jackson, I was working full-time as a nurse. And what I didn't plan for was the fatigue and the sickness that I felt in my, the first half of my pregnancy and mentally I hadn't like thought about taking days off at that point in my career. I was like, so determined to save them for my maternity leave. Um, but I wish I had given myself permission going in to take more time off during that period of pregnancy where I was like really fatigued and sick just to let my body rest. So I think planning for some rest and like working that into your pregnancy experience in a realistic way would have been really helpful for me mentally. And then the other thing that I was thinking about was when I said meals is like kind of preparing or stocking up on some things that I are kind of bland, but easy to keep on hand as well to have easily accessible. So you don't have to spend a lot of time cooking and preparing food during the the time in pregnancy where you're not feeling up for it. (laughs) So yeah, I would, those are two things that came to mind right away. How about you? Mm, Yeah. Okay. The meals is a great idea. That's a great suggestion that I did not think of. And I remember those early days and we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of first trimester experience, but yeah, I, I, I totally second that as a great suggestion (laughs) because yeah, there was a lot of times where even though I love food and I'm a chef, I did not want to cook. I didn't want to go near the kitchen. I didn't want to go near anything. So something that would be easily accessible and also kind of tummy friendly. I think that's, that's awesome. Actually, I have a very similar answer to you when it comes to rest. So Mm. I wish that I had thought or planned for how tired I could potentially be beforehand. I know that when I was early pregnant with Sage and it was very different the second time around because, and I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're feeling this too, because then I had another human to take care of and rest wasn't necessarily (laughs) as possible, (laughs) but I know that I had all this stuff planned. And so my first pregnancy was planned, but not planned. So we had actually, and my husband and I have talked about this in the episode that we did together So this isn't like a secret or anything, but we had planned to start trying and we were like, not, not trying. And I got pregnant like right away. 
we did not expect me to get pregnant that quickly. We thought it was going to take longer. That was the first time Mm -hmm. around. It took much longer the second time around. Um, So the first time around, I was sort of not quite expecting to be pregnant. And so I was working as a personal chef at that time and I had booked a ton of cooking classes and cooking classes. I found, first of all, being a personal chef is super intensive because you're on your feet all day long. You're cooking several different meals, depending on what the client needs. But my, my days were minimum six hour days on my feet the entire time, barely even having time to rest. So I was like, I definitely would have reduced my work a lot more if I had known that I would get so get pregnant so quickly. And um, the cooking classes as well were really hard to be because even when I when I was working as a personal chef, I could pause when I needed to because it was just me in the kitchen. If I needed to take a break, have some water, have my 16th ginger chew, whatever I needed. But when I was teaching cooking classes, like I had to be on, I had to be excited. And and I'm sure it was a very I'm sure it was kind of hot in the kitchen too. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It was so hot. And so it was so hard. And, um, it was really funny too, because I had a couple of cooking classes and I always eat with my cooking class, um, students afterwards, unless I'm like, you know, doing a dinner party type thing, which I don't do many of even now when I do one-on-one cooking classes, we eat together. And I always ask my clients if they would like wine with their meal. And so I'll do a wine pairing with the meal. And so I'm early pregnant and not telling anyone. And I had a couple clients who I actually knew, and I was doing this cooking class for them and their friends. And they're like, oh, come sit down, let's eat. And we talk about the meal um, because we make it together. And they're like Mm -hmm. going to serve me wine. And I'm like, no, thank you. And they're like, oh, you don't drink. I'm like, "Mm -mm." (laughs) (laughs) mm-mm. So those were cut. It was kind of funny. And that was, that was more, you know, a kind of a funny trying to hide it type of thing, but the actual rest was something that I really do wish that I had, I was able to plan for rest a little bit more because yeah, it's hard. It was hard. So yeah. plan for rest if you can. (laughs) Yes. And just know that the fatigue is normal, but it's different than you've ever felt before in my experience. Yes. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. It really is. I know that I am not a napper. I am not somebody who naps and I would take naps. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, especially the second time I, you know, I I can't say I remember taking naps the first time around. It was so long ago. Now we're talking like nine years ago. That's insane. Um, but my, um, my second daughter, my, my oldest wouldn't nap. And at that point, cause she was four and she was just totally over naps. Mm-hmm. And so I would try and give her something to do while I would take like a 10 minute nap on the couch because I'm so <laughs> tired. <laughs> yes. Currently my situation is napping when my son naps or yeah. at least half the time. So it's working out. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. So the second question is what were you worried about during pregnancy and birth and was actually fine? I thought this one was so interesting. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind, and I hope it's okay to talk about this, but is pooping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like pooping during labor. And I know that's really silly, but <clears throat> as a first time mom, I was just like so curious about pooping, (laughs) concerned and like you're going to be embarrassed. And it is just so far from any thought in your head at that point in Mm -hmm. time that it is totally fine. Don't even take 10 seconds longer to think about it. Like, believe me. And it, I'm sure this is your experience too, but like the doctors and the nurses at the hospital are so used to delivering babies are so used to the labor process that even if you do poop, 
while you're pushing or labor, like no one will tell you, you probably won't even know. And Mm -hmm. so that was (laughs) a weird concern, a funny concern I had. I think that was actually totally fine (laughs) and silly now that I think about it. No, I think it's it's silly, but like I definitely had that concern the first time around too. And we I talked to we have a couple of friends who are in the healthcare field and we were kind of asking around, we're like, do you actually care? They're like, no, it happens like 90% of the time. It happens all mm-hmm. the time. It's like you're using those same muscles and it happens and it's not weird, I promise. So even if you notice it and which I I'm this I am hundred percent with you, I don't think you'll notice it. You're not thinking about that. You're just thinking about pushing your baby out. So uh yeah. I don't think I, even if you noticed, I don't you don't even have time to be embarrassed. You're just pushing a baby out. So yeah, mm-hmm. I love that you brought that up because I think that's a very common concern, but also actually fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, What about, well, the other thing that I was worried about during pregnancy was like before I got pregnant, I think Mm -hmm. was about how I would feel about my changing body Mm. and my growing belly and like everyone's pregnancy is different and everyone's bodies are different. And in my experience, I was just so excited to be becoming a mom and kind of proud that I was growing a baby bump Mm. that it was one of the first times in my life where I was like super grateful for my body. And it really wasn't stressing me out that I was growing and, um, getting bigger and, that was something that surprised me about my experience in pregnancy. Um, and I know that's not everyone's experience, but um, it was definitely a nice change of perspective, I think. And then one other thing that was really interesting that, w- that was fine for me is, um, and I've talked to a few friends about this too. I tend to have some baseline anxiety um, and I'm a pretty anxious person. But when I'm pregnant, so now, and like when I was pregnant with Jackson, I found that my anxiety was like really low and almost Mm. gone. And it was almost as if I got like this clarity on what was really important to me and what I really wanted to spend my energy on versus worrying about all these little tiny things that were taking up space in my brain. And I think it's because I had such limited energy. I have such limited energy because I'm currently pregnant that I really have to choose and be intentional about what I'm spending my time on and my thoughts on, and I don't have energy to worry or be anxious. And so that when I first got pregnant with Jackson, my son, the first pregnancy, that was a pleasant surprise. Um, and of course I did worry about things here and there, but like my baseline anxiety seemed to go down, which, um, was a a good change of events for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I did not have the same experience with my anxiety. My anxiety like went through the roof when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And so that's such a testament that everyone is so different. Our bodies are so different. Our brains are so different and we're all going to have different experiences. And I think sometimes just 
allowing ourselves to let go of those expectations when it comes to pregnancy and just almost assume that it's going to be okay because it will ultimately it'll be okay. However, it turns out. And there are so many resources, no matter, you know, if you do end up feeling anxious or you don't end up feeling anxious, um, just, just knowing that, you know, we all have different experiences just because you're anxious before doesn't mean you will be more anxious during, it doesn't mean you could be in a really fantastic place during your pregnancy. So I love that. Right. And I'm glad that like, we're doing this Q and a, because it's, I didn't talk to people about that before I got pregnant or like, I didn't, it wasn't something that was talked about. And I think it's important to have a conversation around like everyone's experience is very unique and different. Um, but the stories that we, we have and the experiences are, are just beautiful to share and like people can grow and learn from them. So I'm really happy we're talking about it. Mm, I am too. And I'm really glad that you brought up the body image part as well. That was actually a question that I got, um, in the, the episode that I did with my husband as well last year. And it was, it was a very interesting experience for me as well when it comes to the body image perspective. And I, I think that's another thing that we oftentimes assume it's going to be hard watching our bodies change, mm-hmm. but it can be a really beautiful experience. And I think it's about our mindset going into it and then allowing our ourselves to look at it as not just gaining weight or our body changing, but that this is the process of growing another human. This is about becoming a mom. Like this is so mm-hmm. much more than just your body changing. You are doing like your body is working 24 seven to grow a human. It's so cool. And, and so that's kind of the place that I came from too. I was very worried about my, my body image during pregnancy because I had struggled with an eating disorder and just, you know, gosh, at that point I would had also dealt with, um, some gut health issues and not some, a lot of gut health issues. I've done a whole podcast episode on my gut health issues, but I was kind of, I was really nervous that, um, my gut health would be an issue. And I was really worried that I would be, I would have a really hard time with, with the weight gain and with my body changing. And it, it was, it almost became this really beautiful opportunity to embrace the changes mm-hmm. and to, to be like, Oh my gosh, like each time my belly, I notice my belly is a little bit bigger. I noticed, you know, this, you know, I have this feeling or she's when she was a little bit bigger, well, I'm thinking of Sage at this point, but like her position would change and I could kind of like see mm-hmm. my belly changing shape. And it was really, it was more of a cool and, um, curious kind of experience instead of the one where I was kind of worried about, about the weight gain and all of that. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and again, like everyone, everyone is different in that and it it might be hard and it can be hard to watch your body change and, and that's okay too. And it's just, I think it's important to talk to the people around you or talk to a professional if you need to, if it gets really, really difficult. Um, but it's not forever either, right? Our bodies are meant to grow and change in different seasons and pregnancy is just one of them, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. So gosh, when I read this question, I was like, I'm really glad I have Danielle on with me. And I hope she has a different <laughs> perspective than I do because <laughs> uh, what I was worried about during pregnancy and birth with Sage, almost all of it happened. Um, so I'm going to do a whole other episode about my actual like pregnancy and birth experience with, with my two different kiddos. Um, I've had okay. a few people ask about it because it was, a, it was a really, 
it was a, a really, I had a really difficult experience with Sage, um, my oldest. I keep saying Sage as if everyone knows at this point with my oldest. And then a really, really very different and a really beautiful experience with Ren um, in terms of both pregnancy and my health and labor and delivery, and which was really, really cool to have those two different experiences. And uh, so I worried about a lot during my pregnancy with Sage. And I did have a lot of complications, but that didn't make it a less beautiful experience. I shouldn't say that. Um, the experience with Ren was beautiful and the one with Sage wasn't. They were both beautiful in their own unique ways. It was just, I was way less anxious and I had a lot less complications with Ren. I think I, I knew more and I came into it um, with different expectations, but uh, it was, it was, it was kind of hard the first time around. But I think what I learned from it was that even though I was worried about things and even though things didn't exactly go as I had planned it was okay because I got the help and the resources that I needed and to not be afraid to get those resources when mm -hmm. things are feeling kind of tough. When, yep. you know, I, I talked to uh, Lily Nichols in an episode last year um, when we talked about uh, Real Food for Pregnancy. She has a book called Real Food for Pregnancy and she helps women with um, prenatal nutrition. She's a dietitian and she has a book called, um, oh gosh, is it, oh my gosh, Real Food for Gestational Diabetes. I'm like, I should, Oh my gosh, it's in front of me. I think so. I think that's <laughs> the book, book is in front of me. I have a stack of, of books in front of me, real food for gestational diabetes. So I had gestational diabetes with my oldest daughter and that was actually not, it was one of those things I was afraid of and uh, didn't actually think was going to happen and then did. And her book was actually really, really helpful. Um, the second time around with Ren, because I was very nervous that I would have gestational diabetes again, because you mm -hmm. are, there is a higher likelihood after having it the first time. But reading her book and just being able to make some little tweaks and learn how to balance my blood sugar prevent, like essentially prevented me. And this isn't true for everyone, but it was really, really helpful for me personally to prevent me from having it the second time around. So that was, that awesome. was a really cool experience. Um, so, so yeah, so the first time around I was worried about a lot and it was a hard pregnancy and birth, but it was still beautiful. And I had a healthy baby and I'm very grateful for that. And the second time around, I worried about all of the things from the first time around, but I knew I had the resources and I made it through. And the second time around, everything was actually fine. <laughs> and it actually, Actually turned out okay. And so even with two, even with the same woman, two completely different pregnancies, four years apart, so not super long or super short, but they were completely different experiences. So um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's helpful for the person listening, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy to have all these worries and have it be kind of hard the first time. And then all these worries and have it be perfectly fine <laughs> the second time around. Yeah. And I like what you said, Chris, about the getting resources when the stuff that you worried about happened and then you're like, well, you kind of get to this point where you're like, well, we're just going to figure this out. And mm -hmm. worrying didn't really help me, but we're here now anyways. But, and the same thing goes for postpartum. Like some of the worries that I had not necessarily were around pregnancy and birth, but like postpartum. And I should say that I was pregnant and gave birth during the pandemic during COVID. Mm -hmm. So my experience was a little bit different than some. And I'm currently pregnant and it's still a pandemic. So we'll see if this one's different, but um, I'm hoping it will be. Anyways, postpartum was pretty challenging for myself and um, the resources and reaching out and just advocating for yourself is a really, really important piece that I don't want to like gloss over. And 
I think this goes back to the first question that I want to add to is something that I wish I had thought about and planned before pregnancy was like almost making myself a little resource card of, okay, if, if this happens and I feel X, Y, Z, this is who I contact, or just kind of like thinking about postpartum, like where, what are my resources? Who will I turn to? Like, who are my go-to people? And like putting that together for myself ahead of time, just because, um, postpartum can be challenging and you can, you're, you may be sleep deprived Well, you will be sleep deprived. (laughs) And like, if it, if you can take that step and the energy out for yourself ahead of time and like, give yourself a little love note with, resources on it already. And like, this is what I will do if this happens and who this is who I will call. I think that would be really, would have been really helpful for me. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love that. That is such a fantastic idea. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Danielle. I, I have all these ideas now about creating like fillable resource cards for mamas. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it is so helpful to have those resources. Cause I think sometimes I think during pregnancy, there are so many resources out there, but it can feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes we turn to the people around us as our resources. And I think the people around us can be helpful to maybe point us to professional resources, but there are a lot of resources where we, we need, we need something beyond just like our friend who went through something kind of similar because we are all different. So having a list of resources that we can go to, I think is, would be huge. So I love that. Yeah. And my, one of my friends is pregnant. She's actually, today is her due date. No updates from her, but (laughs) I'm thinking of her in this 90 degree heat. Anyways, um, I told her, I was like, that was one of the things I told her when she was asking me, like, what is something you wish you had done? Um, and she like kind of put together some ideas for herself. And I think that was made her feel like she had a plan for herself in that. Yeah. I think it's doable and, um, really, um, resourceful, I think. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. So we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk and go back and talk about the first trimester because I got several questions on the first (laughs) trimester. And I think for any of our listeners who have not been pregnant or maybe were pregnant before, and maybe you're having a different first trimester experience. I had a very Mm -hmm. different are fairly different first trimester experience with my second than my first. So the general questions I got asked were first trimester experiences and tips for nausea and fatigue. So Mm. you are in this right now, Danielle. So (laughs) do you want to kick it off and take it away? I would love to. And this is super fresh in my mind because yeah, I'm in the first trimester now. Anyways. Okay. So I wrote down a few notes because I didn't want to forget things that I'm currently doing right now. And I wish I had discovered these sooner in my first pregnancy, but those acupressure bands, so they're, they make pregnancy specific ones, but they're the same as the C bands that you put on the insides of your wrists and they press on an acupressure point that helps with nausea. I don't know if it actually helps or if it's in my head, but it seems to be some, give me some relief. So I have been wearing those pretty much 24 seven. And, um, I actually, I don't sleep with them. So I wear them during the day and that has been really helpful for my nausea. Um, so in something simple to pick up, you can get them at the drugstore. Um, another tip that I was told this time around by my doctor 
which has been helpful for the nausea is to focus on drinking your water and getting a lot of fluids in between your meals. So, um, I've, my first trimester, I've been really thirsty too. So I've been drinking a lot of water, but like, if you have a lot of water or volume of liquid with your meals, it can kind of feel like overwhelming to your stomach, at least in my experience. So I've been really focused on drinking in between meals. And I even got one of those water bottles that has like the time of day on it so that I can like more evenly space out my water. Cause I was finding myself like so thirsty and then going to chugs a bunch of water and then feeling nauseous. So it's kind of like, you have to balance it a little bit more throughout the day and be more um, aware of kind of slowly hydrating. Um, and that has been helpful for me. (laughs) Um, another thing is having cold foods. So I know at the beginning we talked about veggies. (laughs) Um, so I, I'm not really referring to like veggies, but cold foods seem to be really helpful for the nausea right now for me. Um, I've been doing when my son has a snack. So we, I've put frozen, they're not the go-gurt brands. I think they're the stony feel yogurt that are really yummy and creamy from hand, just the, the grocery store. I throw those in the freezer for him to have like frozen yogurt. And I've been having one too. So that's like a, a good snack. Um, popsicles, cold drinks. Um, I even made a few smoothies, like berry smoothies and drank them cold. And then I even froze some in, um, like I have these larger silicone ice cube trays because sometimes if I'm really nauseous, I can't even finish my whole smoothie. Like that's a lot for me. So, um, I was like, I don't want to really, really want to waste it. So I, I froze them into popsicle cubes and then I'll like either put it um, and eat it as like a popsicle or ice cube or like put it in my water and drink it for later. So yeah, having some cold foods has been really helpful. And um, along the same lines of the drinking water throughout the day is just making sure I'm eating kind of regularly throughout the day. And that includes keeping some right now I'm, I'm in my bedroom right now and I'm looking at my bedside table and it has my, my band case on it. It has a glass of water and it has um, a box of crackers. So I picked up some crackers from Trader Joe's and I keep them on my bedside table. And that way, when I wake up first thing in the morning, before I even get out of bed, I have like a cracker or two. And it just seems to help settle my stomach a little bit. Um, then I found these I think it was maybe the Yogi tea brand, but there's uh, ginger green iced tea and you can do um, uncaffeinated if you're staying away from caffeine during your pregnancy, but I have been drinking green tea and the ginger green tea iced has been so helpful. It's like super refreshing, throw a little lemon in it. That's been helpful for my nausea. (laughs) Um, What else? Along the lines of fatigue, (laughs) I would say just be really mindful and conservative with your energy, which you will be forced to be anyways, because you don't have a lot to give and just let yourself have permission to put things on the back burner. So you may be planning to get pregnant or find yourself pregnant unexpectedly, whatever your experience is, just know that it's okay to say no to things. It's okay to rest. And it's really, it's actually really important to rest during this time. And something that I keep telling myself the second time around is that 
this fatigue won't last forever because in the the first trimester, like those weeks it, or months that you're feeling really tired, it, it's almost like, I don't know if this is ever going to get better. It's, it can be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel some days. And for me, my, my first trimester, it kind of feels like I have the flu all the time. <laughs> like it feels like body aches and super tired going up the stairs is hard, really nauseous flu. That's what I compare it to, but, um, in a good, I get, yeah, in a good light. Cause you're not, <laughs> you don't actually have the flu. You have a little baby inside you, but, um, where was I going with this? Oh, being mindful and conservative with your energy. Um, it's not going to last forever and know that there will be a, a day and a time where you don't feel this way. So just like constantly reminding myself of that has been helpful. And I, I know I talked about this in my podcast interview, but I love journaling and I have been writing at the top of my journal entries, like how many weeks pregnant I am, and then dedicating like one or two lines to like what I'm feeling and how I'm doing. And I'm really thankful I did that the first time around too, because it helps me see like when things started to shift and looking back, my pregnancies have been pretty similar um, week by week. So it can just help you get things out of your body into, out of your head onto paper and just like process through how you're feeling and, um, like allow you to experience it and, and, um, move through it rather than just like fixate on it. Um, so journaling has been helpful and with, with all of it. Yeah. (laughs) I, I can't think of anything else right now. What did, what was helpful for you, Chris? Oh my gosh. I was just going to say so many good tips. So good. And I've had all these memories coming back. Now they're like flooding back to me, the crackers on the bedside table. That was probably the best piece of advice somebody gave me for nausea for me personally was having something as soon as I woke up. So my experience with Sage was, um, you know, I want to say, I know there is no textbook experience during pregnancy. Everyone's first trimester is different. Everyone's pregnancy is different as we've said many times, but I I felt like a lot of it was kind of by the book. The first trimester I was, I didn't ever throw up. Thankfully, sorry, you're pregnant. I shouldn't be saying words like that, Um, (laughs) but I was very nauseated all day long for the first like 12 ish weeks. And then it got a little bit better towards like weeks 13 and 14. And I was feeling pretty good and energized after that, but same thing, very fatigued, very tired, nauseated all day, um, mostly in the morning, but pretty much all day um, with Sage. But with Ren, it was a lot more intense. And I I still wasn't like actually, you know, expelling things. Uh, that's probably worse than <laughs> what I said before. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I was definitely, definitely nauseous and even more tired. And So that was, that was hard and it was hard, especially, and I don't know if, you know, interestingly, now that I say that, I wonder if it was actually different or if it felt different because I had Sage to run after my second time around because they are four years apart. So she was very much on the go. We had activities, we had preschool, we had all of these things. And so I didn't have a lot of time to rest. And so even though, like I said, I didn't take a ton of time to rest the first time around. And I kind of wish I, I definitely wish I did. I think the second time around, part of it might've been that I had her to take care of. And so it felt even more intense, but it was definitely really, really intense with the fatigue and the nausea. Um, and those are the biggest things that I can, I can remember from my first trimester with my two kiddos. But in terms of, in terms of advice, I think you gave some 
amazing tips. Also, um, just as a funny little aside, my kids still eat those same Stony Phil yogurts frozen like that now Ooh, as a treat. They so love good. them. They're so good. <laughs> so we always have them in our freezer and that's a great tip. I didn't eat them when I was pregnant, but I, I think that's like, that's a great idea. They're delicious. <laughs> so for me, I didn't, I don't think I remember cold foods being, being, um, like at a pro or, or, or not great for me back then. Um, but it's a great tip because I can imagine them being really refreshing now that I'm thinking back for me, the eating as soon as I woke up was really, really huge. So I did the crackers mm-hmm. by the bed and that once I, it was probably a few, a few weeks into feeling that nausea. So it was, I was probably around eight weeks or so when I, well, maybe six, maybe six or eight weeks when I really started feeling the nausea. And when somebody told me about that, I think it was one of my midwives. Um, that was a game changer. As as long as I ate, as soon as I woke up, it kind of made it a little bit more manageable in the morning. And I could at least have something for breakfast. And then for me eating consistently throughout the day as well, and really not letting my blood sugar drop was really, really helpful. So just eating small meals consistently throughout the day was really helpful for nausea. I found anytime I got hungry, like hunger was the worst feeling for me when I was pregnant because it was, or at least in the first trimester, because it was just accompanied by nausea. So for me, yeah, that was eating consistently eating. As soon as I woke up, I ate a lot of the, um, gin gins ginger chews which is a mouthful to say but they're like these little green packets i got them at the health food store and they have this little guy this little ginger guy it's like a knob of ginger but it's a little man he's kind of creepy but they're they're ginger candies and i would chew them and the chews specifically they i think they have some that are like um kind of like a hard candy but it was the chews and i find, found chewing them was really helpful so Yes. Those I really liked too. Um, and, and I think those were the biggest things I did for nausea. I heard about the acupressure bands after my pregnancies. Um, that would have been helpful. (laughs) (laughs) It was really like the eating consistently, eating consistently, not letting my blood sugar drop and, um, just really listening to my body when it came to just eating what I wanted to eat. And Mm -hmm. it was a lot of simple carbs. It was a lot of bagels and crackers and like plain pasta just like the things that I felt like I could stomach. I didn't eat anything that I didn't feel like I could stomach. And I just gave myself grace and was like, you know what? It's okay. If I don't eat a single vegetable this first trimester, I know that my baby's going to be okay. And because my body knows what my body is doing. And it's so interesting because, you know, you and I talked about intuitive eating and I know we're both intuitive eating aligned in, in the work that we do. And we talked about it on the the mm-hmm. full episode that we did together. But I think being pregnant was, um, especially, especially the, my second pregnancy. Um, I had already started learning about intuitive eating before my second pregnancy. I hadn't quite like dove headfirst in. Um, but my first pregnancy, even the first half before I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes, it was a little bit more difficult after that, but I think it was probably like the most intuitive I had been because I was right. forced to be intuitive when it came to eating because mm-hmm. your body tells you what it wants and what it doesn't want. And so just trusting that and giving myself grace that if I didn't want vegetables, I didn't have vegetables. If I, you know, only wanted to eat toast all day long, well, that was going to be how I made it through the day. So that was definitely yes. what I did in terms of, of the nausea stuff. So, um, and, yeah, and I, I'm, oh yeah, go ahead. I know exactly the gingins that you're talking about. And that made me yeah. think of like having stocking up on like gum and mouthwash has like mm. mint gum and mouthwash has been helpful or even those like mint lifesaver candies. Mint has been helpful for me to like have something, um, to settle my stomach. 
I, for me, I'm not, for some reason, ginger is like super strong taste for me. Mm-hmm. So, and gingers are strong, but they, they are, are the ginger does help with the nausea. Um, so, and if you're not a huge fan of ginger, like if it tastes really strong to you as well, try the mint. <laughs> as yes. Well. Yeah. Yeah. No, mint is really helpful too. I, I actually use, um, like either peppermint essential oil. I have one that's like safe to consume. I don't know if it's safe to consume during pregnancy, so don't consume it during (laughs) pregnancy unless you ask your doctor. Um, but actually now if I ever have a sour stomach, that's what I use. And that Mm -hmm. that's actually helpful for me now. Um, and that doesn't happen often, but, uh, that was something that was helpful for me. So I imagine the the mints or the gum or, or the mouthwash or whatever, don't drink the mouthwash, but using that, (laughs) that would be helpful for nuts. Um, and fatigue, I'm just going to totally echo what you said. Give yourself, it was, it was beautiful and perfect. Just give yourself space to rest. And as much as you can, it's such an important time to just let yourself rest. I didn't do it. And I think that just letting yourself rest as much as possible and staying hydrated. I was not as thirsty as you are during my, um, either of my first trimesters. I don't remember being overly thirsty, but Mm -hmm. I know that the hydration was helpful. I noticed a difference when I was hydrated. And when I drank water, I think it also helped with nausea to stay hydrated, but I I also agree in between meals, definitely not with meals. That was not helpful. So that was Mm -hmm. really helpful. I don't know if it like it definitely didn't uh, make me feel as energized as I feel like, you know, when it's, when I'm not pregnant, it's a hot day and you drink down that water and you like have this sudden burst of energy. That's my right. experience at least like, oh, water is so good. I don't think I had yes. that during pregnancy, but it was definitely <laughs> helpful <laughs> to have that consistently throughout the day. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think, I think those are my main things when it comes to the, the first trimester. And then, you know, kind of my second trimester, I started just generally feeling a lot better. And thankfully, I know that there are a lot of women who experience nausea and fatigue throughout. I definitely got more fatigue kind of towards the end. Um, but we got most of the questions were about the first trimester. So unless you have something else to, do you have anything else to comment on maybe as the trimesters go on anything, any other big yeah. tips you have? Um, so I wanted to just say that in my, it's okay. If at 12 weeks, you don't magically feel so much better because I was so hopeful after hearing a lot of my friends say, oh yeah, 12, 13 weeks. It was like, I was a new person again. And that wasn't my experience. And that is not a lot of people's experience. So Mm -hmm. it's okay. If you're like at the 12 week mark and waiting for you or your body to like wake up one day and just feel miraculously great. It's okay. If it doesn't, for me, it happened really gradually. And it was like from weeks 12 to 17 or 18 that I slowly started feeling more energized and slowly stopped feeling less nauseous until it was like a a very gradual, almost unnoticeable difference each, each day and each week. So it's okay. If it's a gradual process for you too, it's um, different for everyone. And then I would say in the second trimester and third trimester for me, I have heard the second trimester be compared to like the honeymoon of the, of the pregnancy. And definitely there was a few weeks and, uh, or month or so for my first pregnancy that felt like that. And, um, really and try to enjoy that time is what my advice would be. And if you do want to do any like type of photos or like celebrations, if you're able to do that or want to do that, I think that's a great time for that. Um, in that period of the second trimester for those things. And then 
prepare again to have some more fatigue towards the end, like Chris said, especially um, towards the very end. Like it's okay if you don't <laughs> move your body and work out the when you're 39, 40 weeks pregnant every day. Like unless you have, if it makes you feel better and gives you energy, definitely do that. If not, it's like a perfect, amazing time to rest and sleep. So I think that was kind of some unrealistic pressure I put on myself was around working out during my pregnancy. I had this vision that I was going to be able to continue what I had been for so long. And in reality, what it looked like for me was taking a break at the beginning and taking a break at the end because my body really needed that. So um, know that that's realistic too. Mm, Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up because that isn't something that we've talked about. And that was also my experience in the first trimester working out was really, really difficult for me both times as well. And I was definitely, um, I was definitely, I don't want to say more, more fit, but I was coming from a place during my second pregnancy where I had been more active. I had done my fitness competition. It was actually just, um, about six, maybe like eight or nine months after my fitness competition. And so I was very used to working out consistently. I was doing a lot of weight training. I was doing a lot of, I was getting back into running again. And I found that none of that was possible in the -hmm. the first trimester with my second pregnancy. And so I took a break and then I was really excited because I was more active my second time around just before my pregnancy. I was really hopeful that I'd be able to keep up some of that during my pregnancy. And I was able to keep up a little bit of it um, in terms of like strength training and things like that. But I tried running and I did end up running. I did a 10 miler. I'm a distance runner, by the way. So when I say this and people are like, are you kidding me? 10 miles is not a big deal for me. <laughs> That's why I'm um, like, what? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's not that it was definitely more difficult when I was pregnant, but it's not that big a deal for me. It's something that I do on a consistent basis. Um, so, mm-hmm. but for me, like biking or something like that would not have been something that I would have done when I was pregnant. Cause I can barely do it now. So, (laughs) but then I did a 10 miler and then I started experiencing, um, hip pain and I still have some of that residual hip pain now, if not to scare anyone, but I I definitely, I did something to my hip when I was pregnant and I I see a chiropractor and she's fantastic and she helps me with it. Um, but it just kind of got out of alignment when I was pregnant and I was not able to run. And I was so disappointed because I had these expectations. I'm like, I'm going to be like the pregnant runner because I wasn't the first time around. And even though I had still been running, I wasn't in the same kind of, um, running shape as I was the first pregnancy. And so at that point I, I just, I walked throughout my whole pregnancy, but big break in the beginning and big break at the end or much yep. slower at the end with my yes. first pregnancy. And I had all these expectations that I was like, I'm going to be the pregnant runner. And like, maybe I'll do a half marathon. And I had all of these, <laughs> like, it's going to be so great. And I could not, I could barely do anything. And I had yes. to give myself that grace. And I was disappointed for a little while. Cause I was like, Oh, I had all these dreams of being a pregnant runner and it being great. And I, I mean, I was a pregnant runner for like, I don't know, 16 weeks. And then it was like, Nope, my body was like, this is not yeah. happening. And I'm glad I stopped because if I had run through the pain, I probably would have injured myself mm-hmm. and because your joints, you know, they are more malleable during that, during pregnancy. And I, I, I probably would have injured myself and I'm really glad I didn't. And so even though I, it did take probably a couple of weeks of me going like, I'm so sad, I can't be a pregnant runner. I I'm glad I listened to my body and I trusted my body and, and both experiences were, were great in terms of 
feeling strong come birth. Um, and so I think there's so many different ways that you can move your body during pregnancy and it's just about doing what feels good for you. And it's okay to Mm -hmm. take the breaks. And sometimes that is what you need to do to take care of yourself is to take those breaks. And then sometimes it is to find a way to move that feels good. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Definitely give yourself that, that rest time. (laughs) Yes. Movement may look different in pregnancy and that's okay. And walking is definitely one of was my one was one of my and is one of my go-tos while pregnant. So get yourself a good pair of shoes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, definitely. Actually funny enough, I was, I walked throughout my whole first pregnancy. And then, um, like I said, I also like dialed it back a ton in my last trimester. Um, but I moved back home to Canada when I, when I lived in Canada, we live back in the U S now, but when we were in Canada, I moved back home uh, about a month and a half before she was born. And I, we had, we lived in a neighborhood where there was this like nice one mile loop and I would do a very slow one mile loop kind of towards the end of my pregnancy. And I was experiencing all this back pain towards the end of my pregnancy. And it would actually felt really helpful to walk. And mm-hmm. so I would go and I would do one or two loops of that every single day. And it felt so good. And I remember going to a midwife appointment and she was like, have you been experiencing any Braxton Hicks contractions or any contractions at all? Cause we're talking, I was probably like 34, 30, uh, probably, yeah, probably 34 to 36 weeks. I, I gave birth at 37 weeks with, with Sage, okay. my oldest. And I was like, no, I haven't felt any because in my mind, contractions were all like in the front. They like felt oh, like that yeah. tightening. People told you, you know, that anyone who told me what contractions felt like, it's like, oh yeah, it's this like full tightening of your stomach and then this release. And I was like, I haven't had any of those. And she's like, well, that's okay. You're probably not close to labor yet at all. Come to find out that I had back labor the entire time. And what I was experiencing was walking through like essentially contractions for like, oh my gosh. On end. <laughs> So when I I actually went into labor, it was just really, really bad, like back pain, like I was having, and I was going on those walks, except unfortunately during, we'll talk about labor in a little bit, but during my labor experience, I wasn't able to walk around and that's all I wanted to do because that's what felt good. (laughs) But yeah, so walking was great, but I just did it very, very slowly. And it it definitely helped with that, those uh, back contractions (laughs) for a while there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Actually, I didn't even mean for that to be a good segue here. Um, But, you know, now that we've talked about pregnancy, a great question that um, we got asked was what about your birth experience or experiences um, were unexpected and any tips for expecting the unexpected? Mm, Okay. So I would say, okay, the first thing that came to mind was any tips for expecting the unexpected was I really didn't have a structured and planned out birth plan. And I think that was really helpful for me in the end, because I was just like, I'm going to let whatever happens happens and I'm going to be okay with it. And I think I may have a little bit different perspective on this because I, when I was in nursing school, I was, I worked on the labor and delivery floor for one summer. So I saw some births. I saw a lot of births. Um, and what I observed was that the women or, um, the folks who went in with a very specific birth plan and very specific expectations 
often seemed like they had the most challenging times mentally. (laughs) And I wanted, and even though I am a planner, I'm very type A and I love to organize. I love to plan things. I knew that that wouldn't serve me and that I would get really hung up on what, well, this isn't going according to my plan. So what I would say for tips for expecting the unexpected is just to kind of have birth wishes and birth desires, but not be super tied to them. Maybe not write them down on a detailed piece of paper um, that if that's going to be like cementing it for you, but rather have it be something that you talk about with your partner or support person or your doula and kind of uh, be open to any experience that happens. And then the other thing for me was I was so convinced or I thought I would love to be in the water and like, maybe I wanted a water birth and I would want to be in the shower. Um, and your body will tell you what feels good and what doesn't in the moment. And for me, I really had to listen to my body and let go of what I thought I was going to enjoy and like pretty soon. So for me getting in the shower or the tub wasn't like really helpful. And so I had to really listen to my body and say, well, I tried that and we're going to move on instead of like really fixating on it and, um, being adamant about it's going to work for me kind of thing. And then what about my birth experience was unexpected for me. It was the length of my labor. I was in labor for 36 hours before I gave birth to my son. And that was an experience that I was not expecting at all, (laughs) Um, but it was okay. And it was, um, it was my birth story. And I would say, be open to any length of time and don't be tied again to like a a length of time. And babies don't care about calendars. They don't care about due dates. They don't care about day or night. They just are going to come out when they're ready. And so that was my experience was like around the time I was, I was, um, expecting it, I think going in to be a little bit shorter than it was, but the first time around it was, um, long. So yeah. What about you, Chris? Oh my gosh. I, I can't even imagine 36 hours of labor. <laughs> you are a rock star. Every, Thanks. every woman, no matter how they give birth is a rock star, but wow. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I love that you have that perspective of being a nurse and having seen births. And I was like hand up that the first time around, especially the woman who had a birth plan, it was very specific and it was a plan. It was like, this is how Mm -hmm. I want it to go. And we had to throw everything out the window and create a new plan because I needed a new plan. Because once we threw everything out of the window, I needed another plan. (laughs) And it was, it was really difficult. And like I said, I've, I've mentioned my birth experiences a lot in the podcast. And so I will do kind of a whole episode on the different birth experiences because they were so different. Um, but, and I have an incredible, incredible guest coming up talking about redemptive birth experiences. So you guys stay tuned for that. It's you guys, it was a really, really incredible episode. And so that's, that's coming up soon. And, but in terms of, expectations. I expected that I was going to be able to have this plan. And I actually wanted a home birth with my first pregnancy. I had some not so great experiences, um, with hospitals 
when I was a young child um, and some traumatic experiences with hospitals when I was a young child. And I just had bad memories in hospitals and I really didn't want to give birth in a hospital. And I wanted, if it was safe to be able to give birth at home. And that is not how it ended up happening um, because I did have some complications with my first pregnancy, I had gestational diabetes and gestational hypertension. And especially because of the high blood pressure, they wanted to monitor me through the pregnancy. And the, I was so, I was so, oh my gosh, I was hell bent on having a home birth. And I, my husband was so sweet and trying to tell me like, they just, they, they want you to be as safe as possible. But the midwives were like, and it's um, Ontario. I gave birth in Ontario and they're really fantastic. Midwives are um, part of the healthcare system. So you can have a midwife or an OB and they kind of work together. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if they have private midwives, but I'm pretty sure they're just a part of the of the system. And the midwife was like, we want to be a part of your birth, but we need you to be at the hospital with doctors monitoring you as well, because you have this high blood pressure. So I agreed, okay, we're going to go to the hospital. So my whole birth plan, I wanted to have a water birth and I wanted to birth at home and all of this, and that was not going to happen. And so then I went to the hospital with a different plan. And like I mentioned before, um, it also did not go as expected at all. And I was really disappointed and it was really hard. And I mean, I ultimately in the end, I had a healthy baby and that was, that was what mattered, but it was, it was really difficult to have this very specific plan and have none of it go to plan. And mm -hmm. so I think very much, very much echoing you, the best tips for expecting the unexpected is, is expecting the unexpected. It's understanding that every, just like every pregnancy is different, every birth is different and it's likely not going to go as planned. And so having the, you might have some desires the second time around, I went in with just a few bullet points of things that I would like to have. So things mm -hmm. that I, I was, I was hoping this is hilarious. When you hear my full birth story, you'll understand, but I was hoping to have a playlist playing that would have music that would feel really calming to me. There was no music. There was mm -hmm. no music at all. I wanted complete silence. I thought that I was going to want to be in the water. So I wanted that to be an option for me as well with my second um, birth, because we were, we chose to be in the hospital the second time because of all the complications the first time. We wanted to be safe. We chose to be in the hospital, but we chose a hospital that had a tub, did not want to be in the tub, didn't even have time to be in the tub. And so those were kind of, <laughs> I had like a wish list of a few things and they, we checked them off. We brought the playlist with us. We brought, we, you know, told them we wanted to use the tub. Um, and it, none of that ended up happening, but that was okay because they, they were ultimately both beautiful experiences. But I think the second time around was, uh, a much more, it was just a much more calm experience as calm as birth can be because I realized that, okay, I cannot go in with this specific plan, you know, by the minute of what I want to happen right. because it might just not happen. And the disappointment was really difficult to work through. And so I think, yeah, maybe, maybe having those desires, but uh, being open to letting them go. And I think, and just listening to your body, like 100%, yes. just trust your body that your body knows what it's doing, that women have been doing this for thousands of years. And thankfully we do have incredible medical professionals. We have nurses, we have doctors, we have midwives who can help us out if we do experience complications. So wherever we decide to give birth, um, which is fantastic, but like just knowing that it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be different for everyone. <laughs> and maybe just having those, having those desires instead of having the, you know, specific plan and trusting that your body, your body knows and listening, just like during the first trimester, just listening and going, okay, what, what, 
what does my body want now? And leaning into that. And it was funny. Um, in my second birth, I had expected it kind of to be similar as the first, and it was not in any way, shape or form like the first, actually the only thing that was the same. And, oh, you know, what? something that was unexpected for my birth, um, was that my water broke, my water broke twice. Actually, it broke in both births or in the beginning of both labors. And mm. that isn't very common. Okay. After that little funny moment. So my water broke during both the beginning of both of my labors, which isn't common. It's not actually as common as people think that your water breaks at the beginning of your labor at all. And then my water broke both times. And so I didn't expect that. I actually expected it less the second time because it had happened the first time. Like there's no way it's going to happen twice. And it actually did happen twice. And my second birth, my second labor that is, um, ramped up a lot quicker than my first, Mm -hmm. my first labor and delivery was about 12 hours. And my second was about, um, a little less than two. So (laughs) to finish after my water broke my actual active labor. So yeah, it was, um, it was a lot quicker. And so I expected it to be a lot like the first. And so just knowing too, that it, even the same woman can have two very, very different birth experiences. And Mm -hmm. so I think, yeah, going into it, just allowing, you know, yourself to trust your body and to just have maybe, maybe less expectations and just maybe loose desires instead of (laughs) specific plans. So. Okay, friends. So we are going to break here because we are mamas and we need to get back to our kiddos. So stay tuned for part two. We are going to talk about expectations in the postpartum period. We'll talk a little bit about food satisfaction during pregnancy, bringing some of that intuitive eating in tips for postpartum healing and some of our favorite pregnancy apps, resources, books, all of those things. So stay tuned for part two. Danielle, this was so much fun. I love love this. And I can't wait to continue to chat with you. I can't wait either. And I can't wait, um, to continue to experience this pregnancy and have things to share and connect with everyone about it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you in part two. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the healthy balance mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.